Hello, and welcome to the Ecological Sensibilities Project, a podcast where we explore the different ways people think and feel about the environment. Throughout this series, I'll be talking to a variety of people from different backgrounds, seeking to get a sense of the ways in which they interrelate with the natural world, as well as trying to pick up from them how that relationship might have changed over the course of their lives. Although throughout the series we'll be discussing with individuals how they think and feel about the environment, the project itself is rooted in a wider sociological approach that seeks to understand how these thoughts and feelings are themselves shaped and generated by the vastly different contexts within which human individuals live their lives. As we listen to each conversation, therefore, the challenge is not just to appreciate the expression of a unique point of view, but rather to tune in to the wider social and historical forces that make such a view possible. The world is changing, and so are people's thoughts and feelings about the environment. The Ecological Sensibilities Project seeks to dip in and take a litmus test of these kind of movements. Um, so I live uh, just outside a little village called Port Town, which is on the north coast of Cornwall. We're sort of halfway between uh, Newquay and St Ives on that coast. In this episode, I talked to Antonia Pickup about her journey as an activist with Extinction Rebellion and her more recent involvement with a local community-supported agricultural project in Cornwall. At the moment, um, I run, I'm a director of a community interest company we called Community Roots Cornwall. And... Um, we uh so we're like a community growing project it's called community supported agriculture okay it's the sort of model um so we've taken on an acre of land and we have turned it into a productive market garden with the help of community basically so we grow veg um in a sort of as environmentally positive way as we can before developing the community supported agriculture project antonia used to work for big pharma as a medical writer so as a medical writer working freelance for probably 12, 13 years, I guess. Um, so working for lots of different big pharmaceutical companies, working on results of clinical trials, things like okay. that. I live in a field, uh, in a cabin that me and my partner built um, about four years ago. Um, but I've had the field for probably like, well, since 2006. I can't do those kind of math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've been sort of growing stuff and developing it as a as a sort of habitat and a place to live um, for about eleven years, and then um, and sort of living up here on and off in various tents and caravans over the summer and things um, for for about eleven years, and then built the house um, five years ago, I think four or five years ago. So um, so sort of settled in properly permanently. Um, then, and in terms of the sort of location, I lived in Portown for like 25 years, I guess. I, I grew up, I was born, and I grew up in Cornwall for most of my childhood. Um, so this is definitely home. Like this is where my heart is. Uh, I've moved away bits and bobs. I went away to study. I lived in France for five years, um, and then just realised that I definitely needed to come home. And, uh, and yeah, this is it now. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Brilliant. I begin by asking Antonia if there is anything else beyond the community agriculture project that she's investing her time and energy in at the moment. Do you know what is pretty all-consuming uh, community roots actually? 
yeah. um, these days. Yeah. So um, we've done it we, on on the land on our field. Um, we used to have a small holding here. I mean, we still have sort of got a small holding. So that used to take up a lot of my time and energy, but that's shifted um, more over to community roots now. So yeah, there's other bits and bobs that I do. I sing in a shanty group and, you know, more sort of social fun things. Um, but yeah, really community roots is like, it's it's been like having a baby, I think. I realized yes. the other day, it's like I had a baby two years ago and there's still a toddler. Um, so there's very little space in my head for everything else. Yeah, yeah. So the, you're investing almost all your energy in that at, yeah. at, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So um, this seems like kind of kind of a pointless question now, having heard your, but I'm <laughs> going to ask it anyway. That yeah. Would you would you think of yourself as an environmentally conscious person? And and how has that how has that kind of emerged in in your life? Do you think if that's the case? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <a word. laughs> um, you know, but there's always room for, for more, you know, like it's a it's a journey, uh, I think environmental consciousness um you know and I think I'm probably you know fairly far along it compared to the general population but definitely haven't reached the destination if there is one yeah um and yeah it's such an interesting question so I was just thinking about it this morning like when I was a baby I was terrified of the moon and the sea like these big things like big elemental things like as a really small baby and child um and also another really early memory is my dad mowing the lawn and and feeling really upset that the daisies were being cut and like me and my friend just like running around trying to pick all the daisies so they wouldn't get cut which obviously you know <laughs> logically speaking wasn't a great action but um so I so like it must have always been there this sort of sense of the environment and I guess growing up in Cornwall we spent a lot of time on the beach um you know so so the natural environment was always a part of my life um and I think I've always been a very empathic person, um, you know, so I've always thought, you know, right from being a really small child and worrying about the daisies, you know, I've always sort of looked beyond me and and thought and worried about, you know, is everything else OK? How's everything else feeling? You know, not just humans, but, you know, other all other life, I guess. So I guess that's been with me my whole life. Um, and, you know, as the sort of environmental sort of movement started to gain a bit more um sort of traction you know even like in our teenagers we started thinking about recycling you know I remember or I remember being at primary school and suddenly recycling was a thing that we were talking about you know and and those were always things that I picked up on and um you know would think about uh so I think you know it's it will have always been there um but I think um like for me I can really pinpoint a proper awakening time which was about um well it was 2014 so I moved back from France in 2012 and um started spending a lot more time on my land on the field I was single at the time and um my part and then I met Ash my partner and we started doing stuff on the land we put up a polytunnel and we started growing food and um and so that um you know, that was a time when I started spending a lot more time on the land and with my hands in the soil. Um, and then we started staying up here a lot more. And then in 2014, we came and lived up here in a bell tent for the summer that we used to live in a 
her friends static caravan during the winter and then we'd sort of come up here for the summer and they'd move into it while they rented their house out it's this thing that goes on in Cornwall where everyone sort of tries to make enough money by renting their houses out for holiday makers and then the people who are in caravans shift and we all like shuffle along a, a layer yeah um so we lived up here in a bell tent and it was a really hot summer a bit like the last couple we've had um and I was working as a medical writer I had a little shed that I'd sit in and do my do my medical writing and um and I just started having this realization that all the things that we have around us that we buy like they come from somewhere and the the resources that we have like they're finite and I suddenly had this real like and it sounds stupid to me now because I think well that's obvious but like this sort of proper deep realization that it couldn't go on forever you know like the way we live it can't go on forever and even maybe it could go even if it could go on for like another 100 years or 500 or whatever like it can't go on forever we can't keep taking stuff and not not putting it back yeah um and with that realization came like intense anxiety um and like I've sort of suffered with with fear and anxiety throughout my life I guess like right back to being terrified of the moon you know when I was a baby I guess um so I've suffered with like intense periods of it um and then long periods without it um but that was like a sort of different level and it went on for a good year or couple of years probably of really intense fear and anxiety which I just didn't share with anyone at all like I think everyone you know I just was like you know going along like normal maybe a bit more distracted but but I couldn't talk about it because it was so big and during that time I was you know really just realizing the extent of the damage that we're doing to our planet and not you know I, I had to switch off totally from news and emails and everything like literally couldn't even listen to the news at all for like two years couldn't look at headline nothing and um you know occasionally like I remember because I subscribed you know I'd sort of signed to petitions for like AVAS or these kind of organizations you know and I remember once a, an email popping in that I sort of saw the the subject line and it was like you could plunge into an ice age in 10 years or something and like I remember this like terror of like shit you know what are we doing um and it was like you know and the grief that came with that as well like just and disbelief that we could have got there without us all noticing or you know like how have I got mm. to whatever age I was then you know in my 30s or 40 can't remember I'm 40 <laughs> you could go back and do maths afterwards if you want I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm, don't worry I think I'm 45 anyway <laughs> um but yeah this like yeah this intense sort of just such intense feeling um and um and I think that a lot of that came because I was so close to the land at that time you know like I was in nature all the time yeah. you know I woke up and it was there I went to sleep hearing it and um you know, I knew what the weather was doing all the time because when you live in a tent, you know, you know what you know what it's doing. Um, so I, I really sort of my sense is that that was that really accelerated that awakening, I guess. Um, and so I, you know, started seeing a counsellor and, you know, tried to be really proactive. I stopped drinking. Um, 
you know, I stopped doing any, stopped drinking caffeine, I stopped doing anything that might be sort of exacerbating anxiety, um, you know, started doing more mindfulness and just tried to do anything I could to to get myself out of that. And, it, you know, and it took a really long time, but, you know, gradually it lessened. Um, and, but it, you know, I couldn't unknow the things that I'd learned in that time. Yes. Um, and during that time, we went to, um, went down to South France because I moved back from the South France, but I still at the time had, was working for a, um, a company down there and um, had a flat down there that I'd bought when I lived there. So my partner and I went down there. Uh, and then on the, on the journey home, we, um, my sister had been doing a lot of work in the refugee camp at Dunkirk because she used to live in Brighton. So it was okay. close for her yeah um so during the when we were driving back up through the country sorry this is really long-winded so no I'm this is exactly <laughs> what I'd like you to do it's okay. fantastic I'm not having to ask any questions so okay, it's good. great but do if you want to but <laughs> yeah, no just talk. just just keep going it's great okay good um so during the drive back up through France I remember just like more and more feeling like I can't just drive past the the refugee camps you know and I knew my sister was going to be over there that week and so we um so I sort of thought about it and I thought you know what I could take a week off work so we worked it out and we just went there and spent a week there um with my sister just volunteering and um when I came back like again that's another thing like you can't unsee it you can't un unfeel those feelings um so I started doing a lot of activism around refugees um, just trying to raise money and raise awareness and so I so I became quite yeah quite an active activist uh, at that time and I was working part-time so the good thing about working for big farmer is they pay really well <laughs> not like small yes. farmers so um so I was really well paid I was freelance, I was working from home, so I could get away with doing two days a week, three days a week. Um, so I had a lot of time to do activism, which, you know, which was really suiting me at that time. So I got really into that activism. And then I had, um, and then I'm just trying to work out the timing, but I guess um, Extinction Rebellion sort of started coming into my um, awareness. And... Um, I think so that was 2018 I guess um and you know I sort of had this feeling of like oh finally you know other people are, are seeing what I had seen what I'd felt you know the sort of that four years before it felt because I kept thinking like during that time of anxiety I kept thinking like this can't be as bad as I think it is because like everyone else is just carrying on like normal. No one's making yeah. a big fuss of it. So I must be, you know, I must be overreacting or something. But but I knew, but I also knew I wasn't. So when Extinction Rebellion came along, that felt like a relief because I was like, oh, here here are the people who who know what I know and 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 are, want to do something about it. Um. So we went along. My partner and I went along to a march locally and met some people and then um. In April 2019, they—that was the sort of first rebellion and big rebellion in London—and we went up for a couple of days of that. Um, 
and like it just felt so good to be doing something and to be with other people and there was like a real sense of hope I think I'm gonna cry sorry it's okay it was like this real sense of like oh here we go we're doing something about it like it's good like gonna people are gonna get it yeah and you know I watched people being arrested and like it was so eye-opening and powerful we we just went up for the first day and then we came home and we were both sat here and we were like we need to go back like we can't like that's where we need to be so we we had a really old dog at the time so we engineered it that um that we took it in turns and he went back at ash went back up for a few days and then he came back and then i went back up for a couple of days um because i just was like this that's where i need to be on the planet right now is is there doing that so that was good and then i came back from that and was like right well we need to mobilize people locally you know like we all need to be doing this so um I set up with a few other friends who'd gone up in the April. We set up a, a talk locally, um, and which was attended by like 90 people or something. Um, and from that, we, you know, at the time I stood up at that talk and I was like, look, we really need to set up some kind of local group. But also I'm ridiculously busy doing like my refugee activism and I don't have time to do it myself. But, you know, can we do something? And a few other people were interested and um but you know anyway basically I ended up <laughs> setting up another meeting and then a couple of other um really amazing women uh were really up for also helping organize so we set up a meeting you know another 90 people turned up to, to look at what we could do and um and we started having regular meetings and and it was incredible and like these just these wonderful amazing people would come and and you know the numbers dwindled a bit but we'd still be getting like 30 40 people every week coming or every two weeks um and, and was then, this under the, was this under the banner of extinction rebellion or yeah. was it yeah okay yeah, it was yeah um because we you know so we sort of went to some other talks and chatted with people who were involved in extinction rebellion and and it was a moment where you know so we were sort of saying, well, maybe we can set up a local group and people can look at all sorts of different things. Like they can look at, you know, tree planting and, you know, little local actions as well. And there was one guy in particular who we talked to at the time and he was like, that's not where you need to put your energy. You know, like it's great. Not mm. saying we shouldn't do tree planting, but where we need to put our energy right now is this big mobilization of like, we've got to get the message across. We've got to get to government. We've got, you know, you have to do it on that level. And and it made a lot of sense. Like that yeah. made a lot of sense to me at the time. And I really resonated with the with the aims of XR at that point. You know, it was like the three um demands, the three demands. Yes. So it was like, you know, tell the truth, yeah. tell everyone the truth about what's going on, then take action, commit to, you know, commit to some serious action, and then set up citizens' assemblies so that actually people start to govern what happened. You yes. know, and they just resonated. They were like, Yeah, that's obvious, isn't it? You know um so it just felt like finally we were able to do something you know we were doing the right thing we were uh, we were doing what was needed and and all these other people were up for it and like the loveliest bunch of people so varied like different people and people I wouldn't necessarily have you know one ever chosen to be friends with but then spending time with them with this sort of common goal like really coming to recognize all their their beauty and and how wonderful they were in different ways so it was um it was really lovely and and XR had like a really or has a really beautiful set of 10 guiding principles 
which are really all about this kind of, you know, lots of different things, but this sort of thing of like everybody being welcome and, and really sort of valuing people. So it felt really good. And we did a massive mobilization um, of lo people locally to go up in October 2019, which was like the second big um, sort of rebellion in London. And I think there was about 50 of us from our local area who traveled up. Um, there was probably 15 or 20 of us who stayed for the whole two weeks. Um, because I'd realized after the first one, I was like, I just have to be there the whole time. Like, I can't go home. That was awful. I just have to be there. So yes. off we went. And, um, and like, you know, it was great because I was with this lovely group of people who'd become also good friends. And, um, we stayed in various houses, uh, weird Airbnb places, you know, over the two weeks and, uh, really had that nice sort of feeling of community and taking care of ourselves. Um, but emotionally and physically, it was like unbelievably exhausting. Like, like I still don't think I've recovered. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. in, in what kind of way was it emotionally and physically exhausting? What what kind of? I think um, so. I'm someone who, well, so firstly, uh, I oh, I don't even know which order to tell this in. Uh, so. Well, I'm someone who doesn't like conflict at all. You know, like I will do my best to avoid conflict and, and keep everybody happy. Like that's not so much now in perimenopausal, actually, it turns out. But like, you know, a few years ago, definitely yes. people please. I want people to be happy, want people to like me and think I'm, you know, peaceful and nice. And yeah. um, so so going out day after day and confronting the police and also having members of the public shouting at you, you know, get a job, you know. Yeah. go and have a wash like that was really hard emotionally yeah. like to sort of every day build myself up to go out and and put people out and disrupt people you know like yeah. that's not what I want to do I want to help people get get through you know so mm. so I hadn't in any way anticipated what the emotional cost of of doing that would be and the energetic cost um like it also fed me because being with this tribe of people who felt like I did and were doing something about it and were passionate also like was incredibly nourishing on another level you know like and there was incredible beautiful energy and amazing singing and you know samba and like real beauty and energy as well um but also like just totally exhausting and also for me being in just being in London I hadn't realized but being in a city is totally exhausting for me it's so stimulating like I'm used to being in a field with yeah. like no one around really <laughs> you know my <laughs> shoes off um and just that like visual sound people like and also constantly being confronted with like what we've done to the planet because it's concrete and it's like and everything advertising and you're like how is this still going on like how are we still like selling all this shit or you know yeah. like so confronting that visually it was really hard um and I remember like the middle weekend we went to down to Lambeth lots of people were camping down at Lambeth and we went down there and I just I remember being on a bus and we went past I was feeling really tired and low and we went past the park and I literally could feel it felt like my heart was trying to get out of the bus and go into the green space. I was literally yeah. like, oh, God. <laughs> and we went and sat <laughs> yeah. in Lambeth Park. It was raining. And 
there were like talks going on and stuff and I just had to go and I thought I just need to have a sit and cry and I just had to go and take my shoes off and put my feet on the grass and sit and like just feel it and cry and I remember a policeman coming over he's like are you all right and I was like I'm not really all right no like this is awful and I want to be at home in Cornwall and I don't want to be doing this and and he's like I know I know but you know be really careful because there's loads of broken glass around (laughs) I was like Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was that, and also I was arrested on the first day of of that two weeks. So that was the other the other thing that happened. So I decided in the run up to going that I was arrestable, um, and again that for me, I mean, it meant I had a night with no sleep, so that wasn't great for my energy, but also emotionally it was like incredibly stressful and traumatic. I'm really claustrophobic, so okay the act of being arrested, like even just being arrested, not even just the police cell, but just being arrested was like very, very hard. Um, and being in a police cell was like, literally took constant like shushing of myself okay. not to have a panic attack. So, yeah. so that on day one and then two weeks of um, London and confrontation was exhausting. And I also did a lot of um, de-escalation work. So you know, when there'd be moments when the police would come in and, and everything would start getting a bit tense and it would look like maybe, you know, there's going to be mm. violence or fighting, you know, I would be there getting everyone to sit down, starting singing, you know, and like, which was incredibly effective and powerful, but also again, like took so much energy yes. to sort of control that. And also I realised that I was feeling like I had the weight of the whole like basically literally the weight of the world on my shoulders because if a fight started the movement would be you know would be dead because everyone yeah. would be like oh yeah look at that they're just violent and then the planet would die you know like so yeah. literally yeah obviously logically that doesn't make sense but emotionally that was how I felt like if I can't stop these people from kicking off the planet dies so yeah. that's quite a lot of weight to carry I guess. yeah yeah um so we came back from that and got back to Cornwall. And I think it was just, um, you know, we thought it would make a difference. And like, I know it did make a difference in some ways. Like, I think it made a difference, you know, both those rebellions made a difference in terms of the public's knowledge and understanding of what was going on. Not not anywhere near enough, but, you know, that combined with David Attenborough and other stuff going on, you know, definitely made this sort of, helped with a shift but like it wasn't enough and you know so that was very hard to accept I think yeah and I guess I thought really naively beforehand I was like when people see that people like me are being arrested they're going to be like oh hang on a minute we need to worry about this because like I'm not going to go and do that for something little or petty you know like I'm a respectable yeah educated person you know if I'm doing that it must be because something really bad is happening so people need to listen and I think you know not just me individually obviously but people you know doctors lawyers teachers all these respectable people you know I was arrested with two vicars (laughs) um you know I'm like you know I'm looking around I'm like people are gonna listen to this you know because it's us and um and obviously they didn't really uh, so that was very hard emotionally. 
um yeah so I literally then like came home and then had like chronic fatigue for about a year and a half right <laughs> um, yeah which uh like slowed down my activism a bit is this okay if I'm carrying on talking yeah absolutely okay. <laughs> yeah yeah as long as you're as long as you're happy you yeah, happy? yeah 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 totally um yeah slowed down the activism had to slow it down um and in terms of organizing really like I just couldn't keep organizing the group the way that I had been organizing it you know me and um the other two women put a lot of energy into making sure that every meeting was really like valuable and and good you know like I don't know if this is if you ever run meetings or organize mm. groups or something but like if if things are going to go well it it's not by accident it's because people have planned and thought about it you know and then the three yeah. of us put a lot of energy into that and I just couldn't carry on at that level um and I went to London a few more times after that for for other um things I, I was arrested another time as well um and but but I sort of had to slow down a bit um and then COVID came along, obviously, which also yeah. slowed things down. Um, and I did go to London during COVID. The first rebellion that happened sort of during COVID when we were allowed to travel again, of sort of like the September, I think, of 2020, I went up. Um, and then again, I went up another time. Can't remember when. Uh, but but also I realized that my energy had really changed towards it I felt I had a lot more anger towards the police um and towards the system in general you know I guess my sort of hopefulness had changed to cynicism a bit and and I realized that I wasn't bringing a good energy to the to the protests you know I was I was the one who would need would have needed de-escalating you know because I was the one who literally like like how can you be arresting these people like you know I think one of the times the IPCC report had just come out that was saying you know this is code red for humanity and I'm like you know and the police at these protests they know all this stuff because there's talks going on the whole time you know so so they know it and I really feel for them like I often used to think like I really hope that they get some emotional support with with the work that they're doing right now because yeah this isn't what they signed up to do you know they didn't sign up to arrest people like me yeah. um having just heard why exactly why I'm sitting here um you know and the woman who arrested me the first time and the the man who arrested me the second time actually both of them like both times I got arrested I was sobbing you know and in a like actually like a, it was a good release because I was like this is it you know I've I've done everything I can think of to do I live the most you know, I live as lightly as I possibly feel like I can. I yes. write to my MP, I sign petitions, you know, like I don't know what else to do. So I'm sitting in a road, you're going to have to arrest me. And and both times, you know, I was sobbing and both of the, the officers who arrested me, you know, I could tell felt awful for doing right. it. You know, they didn't want to do it. They tried not to do it. Like They kept trying to convince me to move, you know. And um, so I really felt for them all. But I think towards the end I kind of felt like you need to step up now too you know like you lot also yeah. need to start saying we're not doing this because that's what we need like we need 
we need everyone to turn around and say we're not accepting this anymore and and that and by that point yeah I was just angry with them by that point which I didn't like being because I know you know they've got kids or they've got you know, whatever going on in their lives they don't can't just you know lose their job but also yeah felt like you know when are, when are you gonna like at what point do we all make more sacrifices um, but that comes from a position of massive privilege because I can make sacrifices, you know, like it's so complicated, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like all of those things emotionally. Up, yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually haven't been up for the last couple of things because I just couldn't like couldn't do it myself. And also recognize that like I really believe that all of our actions make a difference. Like every individual's actions make a difference. That's a hundred percent how I live my life. But also mm. if I don't go, that's not the thing that makes the difference between the planet being saved and not, you know, like mm-hmm. on one occasion, if I feel like I can't do it, then that's not the thing that's going to make the difference. So the last couple of times I've really thought about my energy and, and what I'm doing with it and, and it, you know, and realized that that wasn't the best way to spend it. Yes. Um, so that was the sort of XR stuff. And then um, in January 2021, I so I was still doing XR stuff and but definitely with less energy. And then um sort of through a sequence of events, ended up starting community roots. Uh so I'd always should I, carry, should I tell you about that? Should I carry yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. If you're happy, do you want to just take a break or take a? You I'll take a sip of my tea. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's so so um, interesting, Antonio. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, I've got a lot to say, you know. Like, I can always talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the um, yeah, you have a break. Too. Uh, <laughs> so basically I've been so I've been working for Big Pharma for years you know and I never felt particularly comfortable about it you know ethically it didn't really sit well with me um but it had been convenient for various reasons in life you know and and particularly once I started doing a lot of activism it was really convenient because I was down to working two days a week which still paid me really handsomely so that not only could I afford to live but I could also afford to go off to London I could afford to you know, rent a house that 10 of us could sleep in or whatever, you know, so it yeah. was it was funding my activism. Um, so it was like really conflicting because I hated the two days that I was sat doing it, felt really uncomfortable, but then I knew that that also enabled me to, to then do this other positive stuff. Um, but, you know, like more and more I was feeling uncomfortable about it and also physically working on the computer, you know, I had shoulder and neck ache and it was just like my body wasn't enjoying it. Um, and then after Christmas, um, so in January 2021, I went, sat down to my first day of work and the project that the client had sent through was writing about a monkey, a study in monkeys, like a 36 week study in monkeys. And obviously working for pharmaceutical companies, I know there's animal testing, you know, I know it goes on, but mostly I didn't have to see it up up close, which, you know, doesn't justify it because I knew it was happening, but you know, it was like, yes. But, and then that got, I set, was sent that study um, and I opened it and I was like, I can't do this anymore. That's it. I'm done. Um, so I emailed the client I was working for. I did the two days that I'd said I'd do on that. And I'd cried for most of it, I think, while I was, while I was typing. And then I emailed my client and said, um, 
I've got a really bad neck and shoulder. I need six weeks off. Um, and so they said, fine, obviously I was freelance. So I could do that. And I thought, right, I need to take this time to work out, you know, what am I going to do? What, what, mm. what do I do from here? And so the, the next day I went to um, a local organic farm to buy some veg, which like just that was what I was doing. I was on the way to see my dad, stopped off to buy some vegetables. And I got chatting to these two guys in the queue um, who run a community supported agriculture project in the next village along that I'd heard of. And uh, they were telling me about it. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to do something like that, you know, um, work with food and community. And, and they said, oh, well, you know, um, do you know a guy called Matty who lives in Port Town? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know Matty. I've known Matty for years. He's a husband of a friend of mine. Um, and I know he's into this sort of thing a bit. And I, we'd even, you know, we'd probably had conversations about growing food and things. And I'd thought about messaging him in the past about it, but never had. And and they said, yeah, you know, you should message him because I think he's up to doing something. So I got home, messaged him and said, you know, hey, Matthew, have you ever thought about community supported agriculture? And he messaged me straight back and said, um, well, that's a coincidence because I've just been offered a, an acre of land at the eco park, which is literally the field opposite my field. Um, but I to do just that. But I don't want to do it on my own. Okay. Um, I've been looking for someone to do it with. So I was like, oh, do you want to do it with me? <laughs> um, <laughs> So that was it. And it literally felt like, you know, the universe had like seen me struggling and been like, right, this is it. You get a monkey study, that'll push you over the edge. The next day, we'll, you know, we'll show you what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, I yeah. wouldn't have minded a week off, to be honest, in between the two. But, uh, but yeah, it was like, if, you know, that door had to be slammed shut and then the other one opened. Yes. Um, so yeah, we started chatting and involved a couple of other friends and um and that was how Community Roots started, um, you know, sort of two and a half years ago now. And and then so so my activism energy has shifted into that, which is really local and sort of small scale. Um but yeah, so it's very different. Um but it definitely is that that in, that portion of energy that I have for activism goes into that now um instead of the sort of bigger stuff and I'm still you know torn with that and even like today I was reading an email from Just Stop Oil and you know there's a bit of me that feels like any minute now I'm gonna have to dip back into the bigger stuff um but but yeah for the minute that's where my energy is going and it feels really good um to be doing something practical and to be actually creating the world that I know we need. It's like I realised yes. that the government aren't going to do it. You know, maybe one government will one day, but, yeah. you know, I I can't wait for them to create it. Like, I have to start actually creating it. Um, so that feels good, yeah. but also frustrating in lots of other ways. <laughs> so there's a, there's a kind of... Um... So this world would uh, prefigurative. I don't know if you like. Uh, yeah, it's pre prefigurative um, kind of uh, action, I suppose, in the sense that you, you know, it's the thing of of being the change you want to yeah. you want to see. It's you know of, of creating the yeah. world. It's certainly a you know big case. I know I know I'm sure XR you know operate according to that as well in terms of the way mm. you know the democratic sort of processes that they yeah. engage with and things yeah. like that. 
Um, but that's interesting, you know, that you're, you know, as you say, you're investing your energy in in creating something and shifting something, even though it's on a really, you know, a small scale compared yeah. to what we, we yeah. need or we want to see. But yeah. yeah, 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 I suppose it like, you know, through my work with XR and my environmental activism, I, you know, and before that, you know, I'm like a crazy optimist. Um, you know that's my nature and, I, and I've always really like um, believed that another world is properly possible and that it's really close like it doesn't yeah. take a lot to get there um, and that it's beautiful um, yeah but and creating community roots like now I know it is because I've seen it happen like it's such a beautiful incredible project yes um, we have this like amazing group of volunteers who turn up like week in week out come rain hail sleet um all ages all abilities all kinds of different people and they come together and create something beautiful and work together like you know we don't even I don't even need to be there now because they've just created this community that yeah supports itself you know and I can see like that's what I believe the world could be like and now I know it can be like it if you create the right circumstances yeah so that is really positive for me um yeah and it's but now I don't know how we make that happen everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah basically so I guess that's the bit of me the sort of the bigger activist bit of me like I love that project but it's not enough because I, what I want is to help to make that happen everywhere so yeah so I guess at the moment I'm at this point where I'm trying to work out how do I do both how do I invest time and energy in that project which is beautiful and, and nourishing yeah. and also get the wider message out about how we need the world to look I guess yeah and and in terms of um so well, well let me just go step back a little bit because you <laughs> described yourself towards the start of the conversation as being um a very empathic person mm. which has really kind of come across in 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 what you've described of your of your story and you know and going right back to you know those childhood experiences of being you know anxious or afraid about large things which mm. I think in itself yeah. is just really interesting and I probably want to ask a bit more about that as well yeah um sure. but um and then you know you, the, the story that you've described of kind of empathy and then a feeling um you know that sense of frustration and then then kind of anger you know when you described going to the last couple of um uh rebellions in in, in London and mm. um and I suppose what am I asking I I guess you know thinking about the project that you're involved in now so it sounds like you found that as a kind of I mean use use that word kind of nourishing so it sounds like it's nourished you and your kind of person and your way of being in the world and in in particular ways. Um, yeah. And have you seen that kind of transition over the last couple of years as you've been involved in the project? Have you found, you know, has there been a sense of kind of restoration for you? That might not be quite the right word, but, yeah. you know, it sounds like you've been through some pretty difficult kind of mm. times emotionally, psychologically. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting one because it's like I've noticed. So it's really nourishing in lots of ways. It's also really consuming because 
whereas with the medical writing like literally the minute I switched off my computer I didn't give it a second thought you know yeah. I did two eight hour days and then that was it it took up none of my brain power none of my emotions apart from that that time yeah. um whereas community roots is like on my mind the whole time um and that is exhausting yeah uh, you know and the, and the sort of sense of responsibility that I feel towards the project so there's a there's a it's a bit like with the XR protests you know there's like massive nourishment and also yeah. depletion yes you know and it's finding how to get a balance with those two things uh, you know which I'm work I'm still you know it's, uh, that's a work in progress um, yes uh, but like definitely the nourishment outweighs the the depletion um but it doesn't every day you know like you know the last couple of weeks I've spent a lot of time doing really frustrating admin um also the other thing that's difficult about community roots is that so as a project when we're there growing vegetables absolutely beautiful everything about it is beautiful but as when I step away from it and try and get funding for example yeah financial support because we're not you know the goal is to become financially self-sustaining and we sell vegetables you know we like we're a, a, a business a community yeah. interest company but you know we have an income but it's really really hard financially so so I also have to face the fact that our system is completely broken yeah quite regularly because I'm trying to get funding you know I'm trying to find ways to finance what what I know is amazing and what everyone like who comes there you know like if yeah if someone with a million pounds visited our project for 10 minutes they would give us money like absolutely <laughs> guaranteed yeah. you know because you see it the minute you walk through the gate um but that's not how our world works you know because we live in a capitalist system uh, and a system that's run by people who are also really suspicious and think we're all on the make and, you know, that we're all like they are, basically. Yeah. It's, like, incredibly hard. So I think, like, emotionally, for me, the hardest bit of community roots is when I have to look outwards and try and figure out how we make it work in the system that we live in at the moment, and that emotionally is challenging. Yes. Um, and particularly, like, over winter we had to go from paying ourselves to three days a week down to two days a week because in the winter we have to buy in some vegetables to supplement what we're growing. So our income, effectively our income goes down. Um, yeah. So we had to reduce the hours we could pay ourselves, even though we weren't really reducing the workload. And then we had a couple of funding bids turned down that I'd spent weeks, you know, giving my time to. And, and that emotionally was really hard because, you know, it's just like it's a no-brainer that we should be funded you know we have like we have these testimonies from our volunteers you know like literally they say we've saved them you know or you know like yeah. physically and emotionally the benefits that people are getting from what we're doing are enormous like it's an absolute no-brainer that things like that should be funded to yes. some degree or financially viable you know if we were a large-scale farmer farming in on an industrial level using massive amounts of you know chemicals fossil fuels we would be being subsidized right now yeah but we're not <laughs> we're trying to grow in a way that's really positive for the environment and people and you know and we're struggling so yeah so it's like it's a real double-edged sword you know like it's beautiful and frustrating <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and if, if I if I can just stick with the sort of theme of like 
empathy or being an mm. empathic person because yeah, no 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 that's no you've answered the question but uh, I'm just kind of coming back to that I suppose mm. partly because it's something that I've thought about quite a bit um in terms of you know how you can be like and well well first of all I suppose the first question is do you think have you met many people who are like yourself you know within for instance extinction rebellion and the China journey that you've been on who yeah. who feel things deeply I suppose yeah. in, in the same kind of way and and yeah. have this kind of level of how how to describe it kind of like um you know openness to the world I mean if you there was a part of your your kind of life story that you described as you know where you were kind of like opening to the world becoming more sensitive to yeah. you know the planet to ecology yeah. and these kind of things yeah and um and, and would you say that that kind of way of being sort of resonates or you found that that to be quite common in the in the circles that you've yeah. moved in yeah definitely definitely and I think you know interestingly also in the the refugee activism as well I think that empathy mm. is the the thread that runs through activism maybe um yeah. you know and and I know like speaking to a lot of people who are continuing to do really amazing refugee activism you know when we talk about like there was one woman in particular I was talking to and this was when I was much more involved with XR and she was saying you know I just haven't got the energy to put into the environmental stuff but I'm so glad you are and I was like I'm so glad you're still doing the refugee stuff because I haven't got the energy to put into that and I think yes you know there definitely is that thread of empathy that runs through those people and yeah and because you can't you know when you're empathic and you see injustice it makes you want to act I guess so I think it, it yeah that's that's why we're there and and with XR protests yeah you know that's why everyone is there really because yeah. it's not just like I don't like what's happening to me you know it's I don't like what's happening to you know the, the planet I don't like what's happening to wildlife I don't like what's happening to the people in the global south you know it's like seeing it I, I don't like the reason why there were so many refugees you know it's like it's all interconnected and yes I think yeah that is a, a, a definite common thread of all of those people I've met and I guess the question that then arises out of that which you've also been addressing in in terms of your um your experience and your story is is of how you know if you're empathic towards others and towards the world in a particular way and you open yourself to the world in in a particular way how that can also be you know the place where you kind of get hurt and get damaged and you know you yeah. get impacted because you feel the you know you feel things kind yeah. of you know yeah. really sensitively yeah. um and I think that's one of the interesting things about your story is how you've sort of kind of you know you've reached out you've put your energy into something but then you've known kind of when to withdraw as well and to kind of pull back a, a little bit from that yeah um and I don't think I, I knew when to withdraw I didn't have a choice about, okay about, I, like, I actually really didn't know when to withdraw that was the that okay was the problem I think and so, now I've maybe learned it a bit but yeah so you've had to reach a point of kind of what crisis and kind of break yeah. breakdown in one in one yeah. sense before withdrawing yeah yeah definitely. And, then, and then taking quite a long time to recover yeah yeah I say? mean I wouldn't I would say I'm not fully recovered um from the fatigue stuff like I'm a million times better than I was but you yeah. know I I have to be much more careful with my energy now um 
you know, before I was like Wonder Woman, you know, I just kept going all yeah. the time, you know, like whatever needs doing, I do it. And, um, you know, and I can't do that anymore. So I've had to learn to be much more realistic about what I can do. I'm much better at it. I'm still definitely not there yet. Um, but yeah, I've had to learn to say no and, and, and to recognize that I can't fix the world on my own, you know, like I can't do yeah. it all. Um, I mean, I still haven't really accepted that either, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to. yeah, sure, sure. And, and, and just, I think, you sorry, know, that, on. sorry, that, that burnout, I mean, when I was first involved in XR, people were often talking about burnout, you know, and I remember literally thinking, you know, well, I'm not going to burn out, you know, like I've got limitless energy here, yes. um, you know, but that wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I did, like that is what happened, I guess, you know, um, yeah and that's really hard to accept when you're someone who does stuff a lot you know to accept those limitations is really hard yeah yes and just to come back to to the theme yeah of the moon and the sea mm. yeah <laughs> so that's really interesting you know so you, so if i understand correctly you know you're describing your experiences when you were very young child and you had these kind of anxieties about kind of large things is that is that yeah. what you were saying yeah 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 I guess it was like I've thought about it a lot and obviously talked about it in therapy and things you know and I think you know I was also terrified of like helicopters or planes or things overhead as well you know I think there's a thing about big things but also things that I have no control over you know it mm. was this sort of yeah I mm. don't know exactly what it was but definitely that sort of like these things are huge you know mm. but what's interesting is like now like I love the ocean you know like okay. the ocean for me is where I go to get a sense of perspective and to feel better yes um, you know and again the moon like love the moon you know so yeah. it's interesting that you know like that sort of totally switched the other way but definitely when I was really small those those things were terrifying and I was thinking this morning as well about like you know so this whole there's this whole field of epigenetics isn't there I don't know if you know I don't know much about it. Not a huge this, amount. Yeah. It's this idea that, you know, we can in, inherit trauma, um, you know, like it literally alters DNA. So, you know, yeah, my DNA will have been altered by the fact that my grandparents were born at the start of the First World War and my parents were born at the start of the Second World War. You know, that will have, yeah, like I've inherited that. So I, I often wonder if some of that fear of this huge uncontrollable stuff comes from those sort of, experiences in my ancestors yes. past you know god knows what beyond beyond them as well yes yeah yeah so that's sort of that's something that I wonder about and do you relate that kind of fear of this huge uncontrollable stuff do you I mean do, are you relating that specifically to how you feel or how you have felt about the environment um yeah I think definitely you know when I had that sort of period of really intense um anxiety and and depression that's what that was it was this huge uncontrollable thing that like tidal wave that was coming towards us you know that I couldn't mm. stop or I didn't know what to do about it and I guess that's why activism appealed to me and and took over because I felt like at least I was doing something about it mm. um, but definitely that was what that fear was was this huge like, huge thing you know I mean it doesn't get more huge does it like yeah than that um so yeah, that's definitely that similar kind of fear to that bit terror of the moon. Yes, that same feeling. 
yeah yeah wow <laughs> and you know and yeah. now you know the ways that I sort of protect myself from it I guess or learned to do like I don't read stuff about the environment now mm -hmm. like I don't look at it and I feel like I, I allow myself that because I feel like I understand it enough like I mm. I wish that I don't like the idea that ignorance is an excuse for things you know I wish that more people understood it um but you know I sort of allow myself to not understand it on a detailed level anymore because that isn't good for me that's not healthy for me because yeah. that sends me into a, a place of anxiety and depression and yeah. from there I don't I'm not productive um, yeah you know so as a self-preservation I you know I don't I haven't read the last few IPCC reports I don't need to read them because I know yeah. it in my heart um so there's a sort of interesting thing there about like you know what I want is the government to tell the truth so that people understand the level of severity but I don't want to hear it again like I've heard it once yes <laughs> I don't want to actually have to hear it again so uh, you're yeah, having watch... sorry sorry go on I can't watch David Attenborough like I haven't watched him for years okay uh, because it's too depressing uh you know and I really think that he should make two documentaries so he should make one and you just do a little quiz at the beginning and if you pass and if you show that you like understand how how much we've screwed everything up you're allowed to just watch the one where they show the beautiful stuff yes because <laughs> like I miss seeing that but I can't like I can't let that in because it's too painful I guess yes yeah so you're yeah. having to kind of protect your boundaries in certain ways in order to be able to maintain hope and energy. You've used the yeah. word energy quite a, quite a bit yeah. through our conversation. That's yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I have to protect myself from that. Definitely, I, ha I have to maintain hope. I realised, like, I did this like amazing meditation thing the other night, actually, and um, I had this thing. This is going to make me sound like a real hippie now, but I had this moment the other day when I, because like I'm loving my community roots work. I absolutely want to carry on with that. It's beautiful. But also there's, like I said, there's this bit of me that feels like I need to slightly readdress where my energy is going. So I'd put a certain amount to there, but also is there something that I'm doing that's mm. different as well? And I had this sort of question that came into my mind of like, I'm, what I need to understand is how best do I serve like Mother Earth? How best do I serve our beautiful planet right now? Mm. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to spend a nice little evening, have an outside bath and, you know, do some thinking about it. And um, I had this like I did a meditation and then I had this whole thing where I was reading a, um, like a herbal medicine book that I've got that's got loads of like nice witchy stuff in. And it was talking about elder. Like I just opened it to a page. I thought, I just want to see what is it like? What's today's thing? And it came to elder, which is like a really beautiful tree that I've been thinking about a lot and anyway. And it was sort of. The whole thing about it was this dark side and like confronting your fears and I thought oh this is interesting maybe this is what I need to do I need to think about what are my what is my deepest fear like hmm. so I had this amazing outdoor bath and I was all like you know lovely and meditating and trying to think like what is it what is the thing that I'm scared about if I if I can drill right down to it and I had this it suddenly sort of came to me that it's hopelessness like that's what terrifies me like the loss of hmm. all hope and it was really interesting because as that came to me and I was like, oh, that's what it is. This blackbird, I, ha I had my eyes closed and I just heard this like flutter of wings and this blackbird just came and landed on a tree stump at the end of the bath and looked at me. It did that kind of like, you know, look. And it sat there for ages looking at me. 
and I looked at it and then it flew off and I and it was just one of those lovely like that's why I love nature you know because like you know I'm sure loads of people would say it was a coincidence but it like you know it landed at the exact right time um so yeah it's hopelessness I yeah. can't be hopeless so I have to find ways to preserve my hope whatever that may be and in terms of the blackbird coming and and landing in that particular time do you feel mm-hmm. that hope comes either from it may not be an either or thing but do you think that hope either comes from something that is internal to you or do you think that hope like the blackbird coming and flying in is something which comes externally as well like even if you let go of everything would there still yeah. be hope you know I guess is yeah. the kind of question yeah um yeah I don't know I guess I love to believe that it come that it can come from it can come externally as well you know like I guess I grew up if in a, with a sort of sciencey background and a very like you know I did a biology degree I was a medical writer so I've got this very like you know scientific side to me but I also have yes. a side to me that feels much more mystical and spiritual about things so like I definitely want to believe and do believe like 99% of the time that actually everything is connected I mean like I totally believe everything's connected but you yes. know that, that there's more going on and that if we open ourselves up to it things like the blackbird happen you know and and you can take from it what you want but for me those little moments just show me I'm on the right path I guess yes like the community roots you know those coincidence coincidences you know stuff like that makes me feel like I'm moving in the right direction um so I guess yeah for me comes from everywhere you know yes yeah and also it's something internal that I have to protect yeah 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 that's a yeah really good way of putting it yeah but yeah but you know everything's connected isn't it like even on a scientific level yes yeah yeah I suppose the thing that I'm asking I suppose is that kind of spirituality question of whether whether there's something that's kind of agential there's some some kind of agency you know beyond the human which is also working for our good you know um and and I suppose you know I'm really fascinated in that question and in terms of the themes of the podcast like you know the ecological sensibilities project so how people think and feel about the environment and whether those thoughts and feelings are energized by something external or whether it's you know more internal or whatever yeah. it's just it's an interesting yeah. question for me yeah. so. oh yeah no for me it's definitely external energized externally I would say mm. um because like it's really interesting that whole thing of like that we see ourselves as separate from nature um you know and I don't know if you've read have you read braiding sweetgrass yeah I have yeah fantastic book such a beautiful book and yeah and and that thing of like trying to recognize that we're in like we're part of nature and that like you said like actually like nature wants us to be part of it you know like on some level you know it's not like we're we're separate and also it's not that we're like evil or negative you know but yeah but somehow we have to find that way to be to be in it um you know and be a positive influence or be be in the system properly rather than fighting against it 
yes when I was in London for those two weeks one of my friends like I was talking to one of my friends about how awful it was and exhausting and everything and she said like a really wise thing she said to me she said the thing is when you're in London it's really easy to believe that humans are in control and when Mm. you live next to the sea you know you're not in control and it was that thing you know and it, it made sense to me then how people who live so detached from the natural world can yes. feel like you know we're in charge we can fix this we can change this we can you know do whatever whereas when you live more close to the elements you know that's not true you know like we can have yeah. some impacts but we don't know what they're going to be we can't possibly anticipate how they'll end up and they're pretty minimal generally yes Although changing the entire climate <laughs> and your field your your field where you live has mm profoundly shaped the way that you think and feel about that that yeah, aspect yeah absolutely yeah and even just seeing you know when we first moved on to it it was a bare field pretty much and now someone came and visited us the other day for the first time and they they walked up to the the house and they were like oh you've built a cabin in the woods and it was this <laughs> real moment where I looked around yeah. and I was like oh my god yeah, yeah to you this would look like the woods to me it's still a field okay um, you know so seeing how nature like takes over and belongs and like obviously we've planted loads of trees but there's loads of self-seeded ones out there now you know there's loads of stuff going on that is just happening and there's all this wildlife that's come in and you know these incredible butterflies and the birds and the insects and foxes and you know like I think of this as my field and my home but it's like home to like you know millions of other organisms that that think the same you know and and seeing it develop and seeing how nature just takes back over like there's a whole corner that is like brambles and then the, but then there's other saplings popping up in you know like I don't know what it's going to turn into but yeah it's just going to happen like and if we leave a bit like our vegetable patch since I started doing community roots we've like not had the time and energy to put into it it is now just like this crazy habitat for a lot of thistles and dots and you know but actually I'm really interested to see how will that evolve over time yes. what's going to move in what's going to change you know and that's happened in like you know six months it, it you know yeah. it started like it's quick and I guess that's where some of my hope comes from as well because like I've seen how quickly you can trans or nature can transform stuff and I've yeah. seen how quickly we can make a difference as well if we're working with it you know Yes. Like it's really quick. We don't have, you know, but we just all have to be moving in the right direction together. Like if we all put our energy into doing that, like it would be incredible and really quick. Yes. Um, that's that's also where a lot of my hope comes from, I guess. Like seeing it, it happen. It's one of the beautiful things about um the one of the beautiful messages from braiding sweetgrass is is this the the whole message that Robin Wall Kimmerer has about that, as you've you've mentioned, that that human beings are not necessarily a curse, you know, in the yeah. earth. That actually, we, you know, the the way that she describes how human interaction with other species actually benefits those species in in, yeah. in many ways. Um, yeah. And that's a real that's a real shift, I think, in terms of yeah. kind of that consciousness or thinking in that kind of way. That definitely yeah. does have an energy of hope or hopefulness about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the real messages that, that really I got from that book. I remember the because there's the story about the sweet grass, isn't there? And yes. The fact that actually it was because people were harvesting it that it it flourished. And yes. I remember thinking when I read that bit, 
like yeah it gave me a real deep feeling of sort of of something yeah hopeful and and also of belonging but I remember thinking at the time like how can I what in my life would be an example of that like how can I see that in action and and that what I thought of was robins you know like as soon as you start gardening a robin turns up because it knows that you're going to unearth some worms and I was like actually the robins benefit from my actions you know that's like like the other birds benefit because I put seed out but that's different you know but like just for me doing a bit of gardening the robin benefits and and that was an example in my own personal life that I could just see straight away like oh yeah like yes feeds me you know like I'm positive for him and yeah and that yeah that feeling's really nice isn't it you know yeah the robin is actually watching out for you it's like waiting for you to come and to unearth the worms and yeah 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 Yeah. so yeah I love I keep meaning to read the book again actually I think I'm due a yeah, I'm on my second reading just now. Actually, oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't find mine. I need to just buy another copy because I keep thinking I've lent it to various people. But yeah, yeah, I need to go through it again. Yeah. I'm thinking that we should probably begin to wrap up. Um, yeah. So it's oh, been yeah. such a lovely conversation. So good. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of cover today or to talk about or? I mean, there's like a million things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could, you know, there's so much stuff that I've learned that I always feel like you know whenever I talk to anyone about any of it I afterwards I'm like oh yeah touch on that bit but you know we can't we can't do it all well perhaps we could have a a follow-up conversation at some point I'm I'm kind of you know thinking of this project as a kind of slowly emerging rolling project and I'm definitely um I mean I've already gone back to a couple of people that I've interviewed and I've done second interviews with them yeah. just to kind of follow up on themes and ideas and, and things yeah. like that. So if you're interested yeah. in that, I'd be... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's really interesting, like, for me to talk about it and to think about it in those ways. Like I said, you know, just... Like, I know you haven't actually had a chance to ask that many questions, but just, you know, thinking about the whole process and the journey is really fascinating. So I'm happy to talk about it anytime. Yeah, great. It's really good. It's really nice. I really appreciate you doing this project and taking the time to think about it. I'll be really interested to hear what you, you know, what comes out of it for you as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's just fascinating having these conversations to start with. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, at some point, I should probably like analyze them or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I kind of, I'm kind of keen to almost um, continue to make it a kind of rolling public podcast kind of sociology type thing so as opposed to kind of withdrawing and kind of analyzing or anything like that just to continue to have conversations with people that kind of build on themes that have emerged in the various conversations that I've yeah. had so yeah um and yeah yeah I, I think sorry yeah. go on no I'm sorry I keep interrupting you I suppose one of the things I'm just really con- like I'm just thinking I'm conscious of saying now is like I really recognize how privileged I am and how my privilege has allowed me to make the choices and live the way that I do you know like yeah. but what I would like is for everyone to be able to have that because yes you know but I don't you know it can be easy for me to think like why is you know why when I listened to one of your other podcasts actually you know and it was a woman sort of saying how she's so busy you know she's got kids and you know all this stuff going on like she just doesn't have the time to yeah think about things or make you know like research stuff to make good decisions necessarily and you know and I really understand that and I don't ever want to feel like 
the things that I say sound judgmental because other people aren't doing it because yeah. they don't come from that place um like but they, it, sometimes it might feel or sound like it you know sometimes maybe even I have those thoughts but then I remember that the reason that I have the time to think about it is because I have huge privilege you know I I was incredibly well paid that gave me privilege we now live in a ha- you know we don't have a mortgage or rent yeah like yeah. so I don't have to earn lots of money you know yeah. that's not a stress for me you know that gives me time I don't have kids you know like yeah I have a huge privilege in terms of you know time and money really um so what I want is for the system to change yes everyone has that because then I think almost everyone would actually make really good positive lovely decisions you know and and life changes and and we would live in in ways that were much more sustainable you know if people have the time and the time in the headspace yeah so you know that's that's quite important for me I suppose to to and to remind myself that as well yeah feeling frustrated yeah yeah and and I think and 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 again in terms of like the the podcast itself and and you know I think that's for me again the kind of privilege of being able to to dip into different people's lives and explore you know what what is shaping how they think and feel about environmental things and you know um, and try to get a better understanding of that and then hopefully through publishing that in a podcast form you know give other people a better kind of insights into why people think and yeah. feel the way they do and act yeah. the way they do as well um yeah. you know who knows how that can then shape sort of things going forward and policy and stuff like that yeah. but it's kind of a, a work of trust I suppose yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I think like basically every every thought pattern that I have about any of this stuff always comes to the ultimate conclusion that what we need is a revolution you know okay. like, yeah. basically that's like that is always the end point of every yeah. uh, conversation or, or thought pattern that I have about it yeah. you know, like we need total system change basically but you know I remain hopeful that that can happen yes yeah yeah brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going to be the probably the final line